This is episode 82 of the Steady Trade Podcast with your host, Tim Bowen. To me, if I got to answer in one phrase. And Steven Johnson. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and today, you get a twofer. That's right. We start with a Team Bowen update from Chris. Honestly, just keep going hard in the paint. And Kara. I was up 500 from two trades on Friday. To see how they're doing and what setups have been working best for them in our paper trading challenge. And then we get a few jewels of wisdom from the once presumed lost in a devastating computer crash, but now recently rediscovered listener mailbag questions. My question is... When you guys are talking about dwarves and offerings... And can you give me some advice about getting in a position? That's today's episode. It's fun and informative, and best of all, it's right here for your own listening pleasure. So let's get right to it. We've got DJ Dini and Kara. What, what? I think I, I think I got Kara's name right the first time for the first time in four months. Um, want to get an update from these guys and then, you know, want to talk a little bit about the current state of the market too. Um, my favorite time is back. You know, we, we had the December doldrums and we talked about in the episode probably was a week or two ago and we're back into low float mania. Um, this week has been nuts. Um, we've had a low float. Well, last week, as well as this week, we're recording on the 17th of January right now. We've had one or two 200, 300% runners all week. So um want to get the updates from everybody, and then and then I would like to talk about that a little bit. Let's. I think we started with DJ last time. Kara, let's start with you. Where are you? Where are you at? What's been working? What hasn't been working? And let's uh, let's break it down. Um. So the first two weeks, I hadn't traded at all. Nothing wrong with that. And um, well, Friday I actually had my first trade. So I got I was up 500 um, from two trades on Friday. I think it was Bath and Body Works was one, okay. and the other one um, was I that. Uh, so so BBBY was in play. Yeah. Was that long or short? Um, I think it was long. Um, so CGC and BBY and AMRN. Um, the first that first Friday, I had gains um, a bit over 500. With those three. And then, so Monday, this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and today, I've just, um, I looked at a few different stocks and I've just been like waiting and just seeing what they'll do. Like I'm in them, but I'm just seeing what they're going to do. You know, I think that so many people fall into that trap that, uh, you know, that you have to trade every day or you're not being productive. You know, it's like most jobs, most careers, you have to do something every day. You have to push that paper or dig that ditch or whatever it is you're doing. But with trading, I mean, the idea is lots of times less is more. And one of the things that people often overlook, and this is something I talk about all the time, is one of the reasons that I was attracted to trading, and I think a lot of people are, is the freedom. You know, is the idea that you, I mean, there is no boss. There is no one forcing you to show up every day. And if you just want to do whatever, you can do that. And that's one of the reasons I, you know, sold my business and went into trading full time because I had created a job. I was, I was the business owner, but I had created myself a job and I had to be there. I was chained to that business 24 seven. And I see many traders make that mistake. They, they, they treat it like they have to be there every day. So where are you sitting as of right now then? 
Oh, um, I'm still in some trades, so I I don't really have like a amount because I'm still in. Yeah. What are, What are you in right now? Um, I'm in about six trades actually. Oh, jeez. So I guess you're two weeks off, and now you're in six positions. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. T X M D S A E X M R N C G C B H C and A L T. Uh, ALT, uh, let's just not talk about ALT. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so DJ, how are you sitting and, uh, you know, you know, what's, what's been your successes, your failures, et cetera. So, all right. So this has been uh, a good month for me. Um, right out the gates, uh, day one, I made like 1800 on VTVT and by day two between MRIN and VTVT, I was over PDT. I was up and running. And that was like, you know, right out the gates, go big or go home because if I can get out of PDT, I want to get out of it. And I did. Right, right. And and again, just for so people know, I mean, those are a couple low floaters. Were those longs or shorts? Those were shorts. Uh, yeah. Both of them overextended gap down, which has been uh, working for me incredibly well this month. And I feel like I finally got like the hang of it for sure. So just just to help the listeners out, so that's kind of some inside baseball there. Mm-hmm. When you when you say overextended gap down, can you give kind of a give the listener kind of what what that the definition of that term is to you? So. All right, so overextended gap down, you have um, something that's been running or uh, had a, a big day the day before, um, and you see that it's already gapping down the next morning. Uh, so when you get that gap down you're using the previous day close as the overhead resistance. Uh, so basically I just kind of stagger my entry up to that point. And uh, if it hits it, if it gets all the way up to the previous day close, then, uh, you know, it usually drops from there. And it's it's been definitely an accurate uh, pattern for me this month. And, and I love that is a great, great short pattern. I mean, it's a Tim Grittani type specialty, I would probably call it. And it's funny that you like that setup. And, and, and I, one of my favorites is basically the antithesis of that setup because I love those when they do go green, because now I know that it's guys like you that are panicking to get out and you can get those big rips. Now, a, a lot of them fail, you know, like anything, you know, it might go green to red and then fail back red. But what I like about that is that, you know, that's a clear stop on the long side because right. now, now your plan is, okay, this thing's gone red, green on the day. I'm going to buy into that move. And if it rolls over and fades and, and goes back red, I stop out. I've got a clearly defined stop. But in my opinion, and, and that's the beauty of, of trading is find what works for you. But it's the same stock. It's the same move. It's just I'm looking to buy when it makes that green move, and you're looking to stop out. Same thing. So, so you know, we're both buying at the same time. And that's yep. because remember, as a short, you know, and this might be a little confusing if you're new, remember to close a position as a short seller, you're buying. So it's funny that in essence, DJ and I are agreeing because he's buying because why would he buy? He thinks the stock's going up. Okay. Why am I buying? I think the stock's going up. So we're both buying at the exact same time. Right. Right. And that, uh, that's definitely been uh, a great pattern for me. Um, I'm currently sitting at $42,534. Uh, 
uh, I had a nice run over the past two days, made like four or 5,000. Uh, now, now what I want, I, I want to talk about what, what was your, what was your biggest loss? My biggest loss. Yeah. Of course. Was yeah. Yeah. And what never, was it? Never, never short the first green day, especially when it's January. That's just a, a recipe for disaster. And, uh, so I was in there short and MBOT on day one. Uh, so, so just real, cause these episodes air a little later. So January 11th, um, if you're watching this down the road, January 11th, 2019, MBOT was the big mover of the day. Mm-hmm. And that was the first green day ridiculous volume. Don't quote me if I remember right, 30, 40 million shares. It's a 1 million float stock. I mean, just all the red flags that scream don't short. But Yeah, I was all about it. <laughs> I was like, look at those flags. Ah, forget them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that was uh, like a $6,700 loss uh, short in that first green day. That was, that was brutal. Um, but day two, I managed to get almost all of it back. Um, so, you know, back up and running after that. Sure, sure. And if you want to keep up live, I got, I, I upload my trades every day onto YouTube. So. Oh yeah. What's so, so what's you, and, and we'll, we'll link that below. I yeah. forgot. What is your channel? What would they search for to find uh, it? YouTube, uh, backslash DJ Dini, DJ D I N I. And Perfect. you know, every day I upload my trades. So you could, you could follow my progress if you're interested. And if you're not, you know, if you're what, if you're, uh, if you didn't catch that, we'll make sure it's linked below in the description as well. So subscribe to his channel. So. And I, I believe uh, Liz from the other team, she has a YouTube channel where she does the same thing. Liz's YouTube channel is uh, Lizzie eight six three six. Okay. On cool. YouTube. And again, if you didn't catch that, we'll make sure that the uh, that it's linked below. So Kara, what are your goals for the rest of the month? You, did you are you are you gonna go? insane to try and catch up with DJ Dini or are you going to try and keep it steady as the podcast? Um, do you think DJ is going to keep shorting these low floats and go back to like two grand by the end of the month? Um, I don't know. Uh, DJ is a really smart player, so I don't think so. But um, right now I'm just uh, patience right now is the key for me. Just um, try to look for if I can do some, you know, quick place that's cool but um try to even look just for like what the price actions going like where where the uh, trend is trending at the moment and just try to be patient with it good i like it because you know again i know it's one of those things where it's like with the paper trading i get it it's kind of like a video game and you know you don't have the real emotion so i think sometimes it can be a little easier to be a gunslinger. So I like the idea that you're just trying to grind through the month, you know, and, and finish, you know, having a nice month, not trying to end the month at a million bucks or whatever that number is. You know, I like the idea of treating it real, just trying to grind, 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 finish the month and, you know, make good trades, learn from those trades. And then, you know, ideally, you know, whether, you know, obviously I want both my participants to continue, but maybe someone on Steven's team, you know, falls apart. And all you got to do, just like when when you encounter the bear in the woods and he tries to kill y'all, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the other guy. So you shove that guy down. <laughs> whether it be Liz or whether it be Jude, you just shove them down and then you and then you escape and you're good to go. So DJ, what's uh, what's your plans for the rest of the month, man? Uh, honestly, just keep going hard in the paint. Got to do it. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the only way I know. I like it. Just, just keep going big. 
um, I, uh, you know, I was a long time complainer about how lame December was mainly because I love these, you know, day two, day three, low float news. So let's start with, uh, let's start with you, Carol. Let's jump back. I mean, are you, and again, I know you kind of took those couple weeks off, but are you liking this January so far or is it just kind of the same to you or worse or, or what do you think? Um, I see a lot of volatility in January. Um, like in the morning it might be down, but at the end of the day it's like up double point. You know, it's kind of crazy. So um, it's just kind of like figuring out how to play it. Uh, so, yeah, it's mostly just stay patient, wait in order to get in because you don't know what's going to happen at the end of the day. And if it does go down on the day, it's a good place to get in. You know, if it goes down like, you know, 20 points or whatever. So. Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been really, um, especially that one of the nice things about the low float trend is there's multiple opportunities to trade these when they get hot. And, you know, I've really been cautioning people, you know, you don't have to attack at 9.31 a.m. We saw that with MBOT the other day. I mean, it spiked early, it spiked middle of the day, and it spiked late. So you don't have to rush in at the open. I think that is another, you know, as a as a new traders, I think that's a common fallacy they see all these scans lighting up. They see all these, you know, volume bars, and they think they got to trade right at the open. And, uh, I mean, it can be done, but I think it's a fallacy that that is what you have to focus on. I love the midday, late-day moves. So. The crazy thing about MBOT the other day is that first day, it never came back to VWAP at all, and it just stayed above it all day. So, you know, for me, like, that's that's an entry I, I, I would take is the bounce off VWAP, but it just never came near it. That's why I kept thinking this thing's got got to drop at some point. But yeah, <laughs> super. You know, and obviously, that's just one of those special situations where I mean, I mean, again, low. We love low flow stocks because they spike a lot. But yeah, Mbot was just like you know hair on fire the entire day. You know, and and I talked to a lot of people, and they're like, "Man, I never touched it. I was too scared." And I'm like, "Fine." You know, I mean, like I'm like that's the kind of stock that if you're sitting there and you don't know what to do, the best thing to do is just avoid it because I mean, I know it's tempting. And you want to jump in, but man, like DJ said, it was up, I think it was up 350% at one point. The thought is at some point it has to pull. Now it never did. But um, if you're scared by those stocks, I mean, you don't have to trade them. I mean, there's nothing yeah. wrong with them. And on, on day two, like if, if it was um, real trading, I, I, the locate fees, if you wanted to short that were, were crazy. I, like they were like a dollar, dollar fifty a share. So if you wanted to short, you know, 5,000 shares, it's going to cost you 7,500 right off the bat. So, yeah. And that's a good point. And, you know, and again, this is a paper, this is a, a fun competition, you know, but um, yeah, the, keep in mind one thing. That's why one of the reasons we went back to like the $1,500 account was, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, the paper trading, it's it, 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 because borrows vary so wildly. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, you know, we've done past episodes, but many of these stocks are either impossible to borrow. You may have to have a special broker or as DJ said, I mean, you might pay literally a buck 50 a share or more. I saw even higher numbers. So that what that is, if you're new to short selling, excuse me, a lot of these low price, low float stocks, I mean, you have to borrow shares to short any stock. Now, if it's Apple, Apple, I think, has a $5 billion float. I mean, you can short Apple any broker anywhere, anytime. 
But when you're talking about these one, two, three, four, five million float stocks, sometimes we even have a few hundred thousand, they are extremely hard to borrow because people, they're just not, there's not enough shares available. Because remember, it's a supply scenario. I have to, if I'm a long-term shareholder or an investor of one of these stocks, I have to allow my shares to be borrowed. Then I get paid for that. But the thing is, if there's only a million shares out there, they may be spread across a couple brokers and your broker just might not have them. Then if they do have them, it's a supply and demand thing. They know. They're like, oh, yeah, baby. Everybody's going to want to short this stock. We got the only 100,000 shares. We're going to make some bling on this. So they'll charge, a, you know, they'll charge percentage fees. They'll crank, they'll double the fees, triple the fees, quadruple the fees overnight. I mean, it's a very, very profitable business for brokers. So that being said, just because of the hassles, we have not enforced some sort of locate in the paper trading competition. So remember, and I'm glad DJ brought up that point. If you're looking at this and you're like, geez, how are they shorting all these stocks? Well, remember, this is kind of like a video game. We're not actually killing the aliens in this video game. You know, we're simulating it, but there's differences from real trading. So, DJ, what's uh, what, do you, what do you think about January? What, do you, what What's your thoughts so far? Well, I mean, January, um, it's been fun. That's for sure. It's, you know, it's all over the place. I feel like I haven't drank enough coffee in this hotel room yet. <laughs> Everything's moving. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking for, just stuff that's moving. Um, and again, the, the second and third day drops on these stocks has been great. Um, except for MBOT, but, uh, it's been, it's been a good month. Um, it's been great here in Southern California until you came and brought all the rain. I know. I, I've been here for three days, and it ha- I, I, I literally—I don't think it's quit raining since I got here. Yeah. It hasn't. It's, this is definitely Michigan rain. <laughs> well, I tell you what, guys. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the brief update. Actually, as as DJ mentioned, I'm flying back home, so I do need to head to the airport here real quick. Um, I do want to close on one note. The reason I'm actually out in California is. Um, we're working on a lot of new tutorial and instructional DVD or DVDs, old school videos, online videos for stocks to trade. So we, we're redoing all of the introduction videos, getting started on using the platform. So if you've considered using the platform in the past, you know, make sure, make sure to check out the trial below. By the time this podcast enters, the new videos will probably be up. If you're a longtime subscriber, be sure to check out on your uh, on your control panel in the support section. All freshened up, you know, all new introductory videos with the everything you know updated, new discussion, and we really did it. We were, I think we really stepped it up a notch on the production value of these videos as well. So, um, DJ and Kara would like to thank you for uh, enduring the paper trading competition so far, and. Uh, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck in the rest of January, and we'll uh, we'll see you in February and see where the chips lay or land. Lay or yeah. land. So. <laughs> Vanquish Stephen and his team and everybody that's left. Vanquish away, DJ Dini. Vanquish away. And before we jump over to the lost listener mailbag, I'd like to remind you of the new survey that we have with each episode of the Steady Trade Podcast. Come visit our website 
or find this episode on YouTube and click on the survey link. Ask a question or tell us what you want to hear on the podcast. And if we use your question, you will win a steady trade mystery box. Ooh, full of all kinds of tools and goodies to help you along your trading way. So please come fill out our new survey. And now let's get to some previous listener questions. When you guys are talking about things that might prevent a further run, like warrants and offerings, can you explain what all the different ones are, how do you find them, and how do you think they will affect stocks? Very good question here. Basically, what uh, the caller is asking is, you know, we talk a lot about pending offerings, pending warrants, And frequently, you know, a lot of short sellers are looking for these because these are, these are indications that there could be in the future stock sold at a discount, which would be a dilution of the stock price, which would in quite frequently really put the kind of the kibosh on a stock run. Now I'm going to give it over to Steven because this is kind of something he's really gone into a lot, but I would caution you that we have seen, especially kind of the last year or so, um, a lot of these stocks with outstanding warrants are some of the biggest squeezers as well. So Stephen is very familiar with this. I'm going to let him answer it. But remember, just because you see uh, shares at, at, at warrants at a discount, particularly if it's a low float stock, do not get too bearish too soon. No, no. Uh, what I would definitely say is warrants and anything that will dilute the float. The float. It's kind of an indicator of how how maybe aggressive you should be with the stock, but it doesn't mean that you should not uh, cut the loss should the price action be particularly volatile. Uh, but in terms of warrants and dilution, uh, for me, if you're a stocks to trade user, it's very, very easy to find it. You just simply, basically, every company is on the stock market uh, to raise cash. And especially the biotechnology companies, they literally are on the market to make cash. So they are creating drugs. They need money to fund the strategists and the biologists and the scientists to test new drugs, to come up with a formula to, to then sell it to a drug manufacturer. But all through the years, they need to, to pump PR releases to say that they're on the verge of the next big find in, in terms of drugs uh, to then sell new shares to, to make more money to continue operating. And biotechnology companies do this and, and every other kind of penny stock does this. They're all in the business of, of kind of diluting the float, making new people uh, pay money for new shares and then raising money to continue operating. Uh, and the way that you can find this is if you go on Stocks to Trader, if you go on any SEC filings website, you will always see a, a 42415B form and that will always be kind of if the if generally the best way to look at it is if a stock with a downtrending chart is up twenty to thirty to forty percent, look in the SEC filings, look for a four two four one five B. Often you'll find it maybe thirty forty percent of the time, and that will say we're going to sell maybe five million shares at this price uh, to raise maybe twenty five million shares at five dollars a share. And if you know that they're going to sell 5 million shares, then the next thing that you need to look for is an effect one or an effect three form or an S1 or an S3 form, which basically means they can then activate uh, that form. Uh, and then you basically, you know that 5 million shares worth of shares are going to 
be diluted at some point in the near future, generally when the stock price is up. Now, the only, what Tim was mentioning before is sometimes the warrants get exceeded and the volume's too large and there's a big short squeeze. The one thing that you've got to be careful about is if the volume on the day is significantly higher than the number of warrants, all of the short sellers will short thinking there's warrants and the, and the, and there's, because there's warrants, there's more sellers than buyers. The price has to go down because the selling pressure is too high. But if the volume, 95% of buyers are long, 90% of, sorry, traders are long. If the volume outweighs the amount of warrants, then all of the shorts will get squeezed and you'll get a crazy situation where the stock gets very volatile towards the upside. Great, great answer. So yeah, the key is know if there's warrants, be aware of it, follow what Steven said to look at the forms. But remember, this is, this is one of the mistakes that I see a lot of newer short sellers make is they will, they will find the warrants, say they're at $4 and the stock's trading at $8 on ridiculous volume. They're like, well, it has to come back to four. I'll just hold short. <laughs> no. I mean, if the, if the volume's there, it is not the time and don't be, don't sit there and be like, Oh, it's got to come back because of the warrants. If the volume is ridiculous, which just look at your yearly chart, you know, if you're wrong, you need to get out. You don't keep waiting just because there's outstanding warrants. Yeah. And the other biggest mistake every trade I make, and I made it for a long time as well is a downtrend in chart is not a downtrend in chart. If the volume is significantly higher on the day compared to any other day. That that chart doesn't matter, and and so many people don't realize this, especially in the lower float stocks. And we talk yeah, about especially. that. You you know, for us, typically low float is less than ten million shares. So, hi Tim and Steven. this is uh, American Namex, and I live in Ottawa, Canada. I would like to ask a question about uh, a swing trade. What do you look for in a chart setup that will make a, a good swing trade? I know some people have said. Uh, First green day will make a good swing trade. But what else do you guys look for in a chart setup that will make a perfect swing trade? Thank you. Well, hello there, good friend. Uh, what I would like to say is, I mean, in terms of swing criteria, I think Tim Bone absolutely nails it. So I want to hand this over to him. What I would say is if you're interested in a good swing club, I know the best ones in Newcastle in, in the UK. But for swing trade, Tim Bone. Well, thank you, Stephen. I appreciate the great introduction. So, um, well, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's always difficult to say something as quote unquote perfect in trading, but something we talk about in Stocks to Trade Pro all the time is trying to build, build the case or the components of the rest of the recipe. And I've actually got our swing trade sheet right here that we, that we work off of when we're looking for a swing trade. So I'm going to bring up one that's the, a recent example just because it was going back to uh, Friday and it's really maybe about as close as you can get to quote unquote perfect. And that is CHK, which you could look up would have been last Friday morning, which would have been July 19th, 2018. You can bring up the chart and it's, it fits almost every box on my swing trade list. It, it's, it, it's a recent earnings. So it's an earnings winner. Um, it's at 52 week highs. It's breaking out on the intraday chart, so on the daily chart as well as the daily, the the one year chart. Um, it was breaking a whole dollar, half dollar at nine fifty. Um, it's in a hot sector, Chesapeake oil and gas. I mean, oil is pretty hot right now, especially with Trump threatening Iran. You know, again, if you're listening to this after the fact, go back to July nineteenth. So 
in summary, you know, in CHK, I think is about two bucks a share higher in roughly, you know, basically one trading day. So just running through it again, earnings winners are great. I mean, if you're a part-time trader and especially, uh, under the PDT, if you only trade four months out of the year, you'd probably do pretty well and focus on those earnings months. So CHK was an earnings winner. Um, it's in a hot sector. It was at 52 week highs. The chart, the daily chart was trending nicely. It was closing at the high of the day. So line up as many of these things as you can, the fundamentals, the technicals, hot sectors, etc. So, um, to me, CHK is a great example because it had, I got my sheet over there. I mean, it basically had nine out of 10 criteria that we look for. Hello, Tim and Steven. I'm Michael Christian here. And can you give me some advice about getting in a position that really, really can, you know, making a big impact on my trading? Because a lot of time that I'm getting in a position, it's like FOMO or chasing price. It's something like that. It's really killing me. Can you give me some, you know, really, really big impact advice? That's really helped. Thank you. So this is a very, very, very common question and a great question from new traders. So he's talking a lot about FOMO. He feels like he's chasing. He's really wondering about how to enter positions. And, and I think from the kind of doing my best to kind of look behind the scenes of the question, I just really feel like he's trading way too many setups. You know, I can hear it. He's saying, I got FOMO. I don't know. You know, I feel like I'm chasing and, you know, I'll hand it over to Steven, but my particular uh, input would be just listening to the way, to the phrases and the way he laid it out. I think he's trying to trade everything. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. I don't care what it is. If it's buying breakouts, if it's shortened breakdowns, if it's, swing trading, if it's investing, just focus on one thing, one or two, maybe two, and only trade those small size or even paper trade. But I feel like the biggest thing the, the caller is trying to do is he's just trying to trade too much stuff. So I am the king of fear of missing out. And my biggest losses have come from chasing weakness on the short side or buying strength on the long side. And the only way around it is to trade one setup until you've absolutely mastered it inside out. So you really are fluid with what your entry point should be, what you should be doing and what you should not be or, doing. Or, I mean, I mean, you know, again, or you find out that it just doesn't work for you. You know, that, 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 you know, it's, it, it might be one or the other. Maybe you're, buying breakouts and, and you're like, it just never works for me. I'm done buying breakouts. Now let's look at something else. Yeah. But I mean, for me as a general rule and what I've kind of come to learn is like, if you're shorting a breakdown and it does break down your, your risk, like say when it breaks down, say you're shorting a breakdown at two and it, and it washes to one ninety six, you've, you've made like 2%, but if it pops up on, you and goes to 204, 205, 206, then you're down 3%. So anytime you're kind of chasing weakness on the short side, your risk reward's not there. And I, I really think that on a, unless it's a really good multi-month breakout, you kind of maybe doing the same. If you're chasing strength, you're limiting your risk reward and you just not got a good setup there. So I would just be very in mind of that and I would just trade one setup and know it inside out until you get it. 
Hey, Stephen and Tim. This is Cameron Ewing. Um, love the podcast. I listen to it every week and actually every day, multiple uh, times a day at work. But uh, my question is the overnight long strategy of the gap up the next morning where the previous day it's spiked up, held sort of its uh, highs uh, during the day, gained momentum towards the end of the day at closing, sort of goes up in aftermarket and pre-market, and then, you know, for the gap up the next morning. My question is, the next morning, is there a way to know if that the people are taking profits and that's why it drops right off the bat and then re-spikes and continues up for the day or is there a way to determine if it's just going to fail because I've had multiple days where I've been up after market and pre-market just for it to fail right back down to where I got in the next day so I sell for a little profit and then it turns around and bounces for the rest of the day. So that's that's my question. Is there is there a way to determine that with level two or not? Thanks, guys. Again, this is Cameron Ewing. A great question, Cameron. And I think the uh, wizard of swing trading is Mr. Tim Bourne, who is here. So I will just, as a riveting precursor, what I would just like to say is for me, there's no way of ever knowing if the stock's going to drop or if it's going to pop at the open. Obviously, pre-market is a small indicator, but it's no real guaranteed prediction. So what I would what I would advise is take half of your profits uh, on the gap up and then look to take half your profits uh, or, or cut your losses in, in the first few minutes of the open, depending on the price action. But I think the question goes way bigger than 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 what you've asked and it's what you've really got to think is how strong is the catalyst? How low is the float? How big's the volume? Uh, how good's the breakout? Is it a multi-month? Is it a multi-year breakout? How many shorts are underwater? And, and I think when you ask these questions, it gauges a, a more fulfilled response, but I'll put you over to Tim. No, and great, great points. I think one of the biggest, like, like Steven said, obviously you're, you, you don't know anything in the markets. All you can do is manage your risk. But um, when it comes to, managing a gapper, which, which everybody under, under the PDT loves gappers because I mean, obviously the perfect gap trade is, you know, you're, you, you, you buy post 2 PM, you're in the green a little bit. Then the thing gaps up the next morning, you sell for profits and you didn't have to use one of your day trades. So that's the reason so many traders love gappers. Now I think that the biggest mistake is people don't take in all the components of the recipe that we talk about. And, and Stephen kind of touched on that. Number one, I would never try gapping a, a, a stock that's at resistance on the daily chart or is range bound on the daily chart. We have in the, the last two or three years, we have so many stocks that are hitting 52s, 52 week highs every day. Why would you try and gap a stock? that's, that's at resistance or it's, or it's range bound. It's, it's in a channel between, you know, $20 and $18 a share. So look for clean breakouts, look for stocks that have news. Remember one of the reasons stocks gap up the next day is not everybody 
is like us, a degenerate staring at the computer all day or looking at our phone, looking at these stocks all day. A lot of people, I mean, remember day traders are just a small percentage of the traders out there. A lot of people might get home at night or they might get out of work. They start reading the news. They start checking out the big gainers and they're like, ooh, look at this stock that ran today on news. That guy is more inclined to be bidding this thing up the next morning, which will help continue our gap. So try and avoid those stocks that don't have, you know, I'm doing air quotes right now, but meaningful news. You know, that's one of the reasons we like earnings winners so much. I mean, that is something that people love earning stocks. They can, if they close the high of the day, they tend to gap up. So avoid range bound stocks and avoid trying to gap stocks that don't have at least some sort of news. Then the flip side is, well, Stephen made a great point. Remember, if it's gapping up after hours, just take off half, take your profits, let the rest work. Or something that we almost every day we look for in Stocks to Trade Pro is that weak open red to green. You had mentioned a lot of these stocks that gap in after hours tend to drop and then reclaim. So not necessarily PDT friendly, pattern day trader friendly, but you can just put these stocks on your radar and the ones that trickle up after hours open down and then reclaim yesterday's highs. Those are great setups. Now you're limited by the PDT, but there's multiple ways to play these stocks, but ultimately clean charts at 52 week highs, closing at the high of the day and have quote unquote substantial moves. Hi, this is Latrina from Frederick, Maryland, and I like to clean my kitchen while listening to Stephen and Tim on the Steady Trade Podcast. You can register to win prizes at their website, SteadyTrade.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the podcast a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. And this is how we say goodbye in Frederick, Maryland.